to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Alpesh Pamar. Alpesh is an entrepreneur, real estate investor, business owner, author, mentor, and podcast host. He owns over 100 resident rental units in markets like Atlanta, Columbus, and Birmingham. And besides, he invests in international markets like Belize, Panama, Paraguay, and India. And we're also going to be talking a little bit more about what he's focusing on today as well in the mobile home parks. So Alpesh, welcome to the show. And I'm so thankful that you came to join us for today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you so much, Eileen, for having me today. Thank you so much, Alpesh. I would love to hear a little bit more about your background, if you can share, and you know, like uh, what you did to get started in real estate. Sure. So I still have my IT consulting business. As you can tell, being an Indian, not to be racist here, but of course, we do a lot of IT and software work, right? <laughs> so that has been my day job. That's what I have been doing. Uh, but I became business owner about 11 years ago when I got, I was let go from my consulting job in 2009. So since then, I have not worked for anyone. I haven't had W2 job for last 11 years. So I learned about business and I realized, you know, there are so many tax benefits for owning a business. And so anytime, whenever I started investing, I was always looking for the tax advantages, right? Because it's very important to make a lot of money, but it's more important to make most of what you make, right? And this is not what I say, but I read a tax-free wealth book by Tom Wilwright, who is Robert Kiyosaki's CPA, and that's what he says. You have to focus on keeping most of what you make, and that's what led me to real estate because I realized that real estate, I can invest and I can get paid. I don't have to pay tax till I sell. And of course, there are strategies as well afterwards when you decide to sell as well, you don't have to pay any tax. If you if you look into either 1031 exchange, opportunity zone fund, uh, as well as the, now the DST, Delaware Statutory Trust, etc. So that was my journey. But real estate, I became accidental landlord in 2011 because you are in San, I mean, uh, Southern Cal, I'm in San Francisco Bay Area. So you know that when the market corrected, all of us were underwater. And uh, so I wanted to upgrade. So I ended up keeping my townhouse and kept it rented from 2011 to 2015. That's what taught me what landlording is, right? So I realized that in California or markets like California, coastal markets, I'm not going to have cash flow. And uh, I was already playing some speculative games, so I didn't want to play that in real estate because I already was looking into startup investments because I came from startup world. So I was like, you know, I'm already doing some gambling. Of course, stock market as well is a gambling. So real estate-wise, I moved on to finding properties out of state. So from 2015 onwards, I've been investing in all of my properties, except one has been out of state. 
Oh, wow. And sorry, did you say all of it has been mostly in within California or did you move no, all out of state? No, actually, all of them out, out of state. Only one I had in Ridgecrest, California, which actually I sold end of last year. So I have nothing in California right now. And so, you know, a lot of times we hear about investing in your backyard and being able to touch and see and visit the properties and real estate. What was it about it that made you feel comfortable about investing outside of California into another different market that, you know, that's not as easily accessible? It's difficult. And uh, because as you can tell, and I mentioned about speculation, speculative games. So I play, right? So I'm a little bit adventurous, right? So I usually take chance, but it's difficult. And of course, at that time, there were no podcasts like this. Not your podcast, not my podcast, no Bigger Pockets website. There were no YouTube channels. Barely there were any books too, which talked about out-of-state investing. So it was all just taking the plunge. Right now, there is so much available and still there are some people who would not pull the trigger, right? So I was the exactly opposite. And, and of course, my first investment was a disaster because I didn't know anything about the market. I did not know about how real estate investment work in different markets. Going from California, where everything at that point, uh, especially in my backyard, was over a million. So seeing something for 50000 I just went, wow. But you, know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> So I realized that. So to answer your question, it's not easy, but I did not have choice. And when you prepare the criteria, your money needs to meet because you want to make sure your money works for you. And I wanted to have a steady cash flow, which will not work in any means. It would have worked in some of the California markets. But just talking to some friends who were already investing, I realized that I want to make that money work for me faster and harder. So there was no, I didn't leave myself any choice other than investing out of state. And so from that first out of state property that you had purchased out of state, you know, you've built it to a pretty large portfolio um, of over a hundred single family properties. How have you been able to do that? And then can you kind of walk through a little bit of what that process looked like? Sure. So a uh, great question. And I think I should have specified it's not on that single family rentals anymore. So what I did, I bought the first one, which was a disaster, but I did not give up because I still reading some books and Rich Dad Poor Dad gave me pretty good idea and a lot of other books as well, that this is how a lot of the you know wealthy people invest. This is how they get wealthy. So I continued on the journey. I bought one more. When I reached about four properties, I realized I cannot keep doing this. I want to scale up. I want to go faster. And just thinking about single family, there were a couple of things. One, that as an individual, if you want to go at traditional financing to Fannie and Freddie, you can only get five loans. So if you are married like me, then you can get 10 loans, five on each of us. So I said, okay, the max, you know, single family houses I can buy would be 10, right? And then every time I need to find a property, I need to go through the same process again. Look at the property, analyze, run the numbers, reach out to the lender, broker, all the cycle. So, and then I also wanted to be in different markets. So I'm like, this is going to be very difficult. So my next investment after my four property was a duplex. 
I said, okay, I want to go a little further. And this is what I actually recommend people now that if you really want to invest, then start with a duplex or triplex or fourplex because in one loan, in one transaction, you can get up to two, three, four units, right? So I did that a duplex, but then still I was not satisfied. So I decided to just jump in. And that year, 2017, I bought two nine-unit buildings. Right, so one in uh, Rich Cash, California, uh, in March of 2017, and December of 2017, I closed on a nine-unit property in Birmingham, Alabama, and I still own that one. So that was my foray into moving into multifamily. Then, of course, it was larger multifamily building, 148 unit with me and my investors as well. And then last year, we acquired a 44-unit uh, mobile home park in. Columbus, Mississippi. Wow. And so then what were some of the differences you saw in terms of like transitioning from a single family into like larger multifamilies? Great question. So single family, I learned that, of course, you are going to have larger pool of buyers when you want to sell. So whenever you are investing, always think about your exit plan, your exit criteria, right? And, And you should not have just one plan. You got to have plan A, B, and C, and if you can have more, but like in single family, because you are going to attract investors as well as, you know, homeowners. So you are always going to have easier time selling, but again, that applies to the location, right? Because it has to be in a great location. When you move up to duplex, a triplex and fourplex, it same thing applies. And that's why I consider single family to fourplex as well as Fannie and Freddie. They consider them as residential rental and you can get traditional financing for it. So say in duplex also, you can rent the one unit out and you can stay in the other unit. So and it would also attract investor as well as owners. When you move to multifamily, of course, you are now scaling up fast. You are going hard. So now, so the Biggest difference I see is underwriting. You have to make sure that multifamily, because single family, you can manage yourself. Even though, of course, I had always kept a property manager, but I know some friends who are managing their properties out of state. Just they have handyman and all. Of course, I didn't want to create another business for me. I wanted to have another job for me, I, I should say. I wanted to create a business. So I never did that. But in multifamily, you will need a professional property manager as soon as you go, because you got to take care of more than four units, 10 units, 20 units, right? So that is going to be an additional cost if you have not kept that in your mind during underwriting. But other than that con or in the second con, as I mentioned about buyer pool, I see a lot more pros because now I can, under one roof, I can manage more than five, 10 units. So one property manager can take care of all of that in one place. Also, if one of the unit is vacant or that person is not paying, other eight units for my nine unit are still paying the rent. So my mortgage is covered. So that was my criteria. That So most of the time, I would get some kind of cash flow. In single family world, if you were barely breaking even or you have barely, let's say, 200, 300 bucks of cash flow and the roof breaks or HVAC goes out in one year, all of your profit uh, for last couple of years is gone. Actually, I'm going through that right now in one of the duplex that we had some septic issue and it costed us like 10 grand and all our prop, you know, money we had made from the cash flow for last two years is gone. 
But in my multifamily side, if I continue to operate large and large buildings, most of that cash flow would cover the cap expense. And that's what we do. We always have a CapEx reserve because that is one of the requirements. So a multifamily or owning or mobile home park, owning more than one unit is the way to go if you really want to go fast. But one of the con I should mention is the financing. It's not easy to get financing for multifamily. You've got to be experienced or you have to partner with someone who is very experienced in that area. And so now your focus is you shifted from multifamily and now you're looking into and you've purchased mobile home parks. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So, And the reason was that, of course, it, uh, it's a natural progression if you want to move forward in the real estate space that you go to single family, to fourplex, to small, to large multifamily. I wanted to move into large multifamily for almost three years, but every time I would put an offer, someone else would come in at higher price. So actually, every mom and pop wants to do multifamily right now. Everyone. I attended almost every conference around multifamily in 2018, all over the U.S., and I just saw that everyone wanted to put money into it. The cap rates kept compressing. The competition is so high, and there are so many gurus who are selling their multifamily courses, so they also need to keep buying uh, with their students. So I realized that it's not going to work for me. So I kept looking for the next thing and I landed upon mobile home parks and senior housing. So I decided to just focus on those assets. Actually, late uh, 2019, and we acquired our first mobile home park in August of 2020 and hoping to actually close on the first senior housing by mid of this year. We are already going through the due diligence right now. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Oh, wow. That's exciting. How long did it take you to find the first mobile home park? Yes, so I kept looking and actually I was under contract in 2019 itself when I started looking in fall of 2019, but then I was supposed to travel end of the year and I didn't want to take another headache while I'm traveling. I want to be relaxed. I don't want to stress out about anything and that would be the time when I would have to perform due diligence. So I I canceled the contract and then I kept looking. I almost got under contract again uh, right in March and COVID hit and I got cold feet. I was like, okay, I want to see what happens with the entire thing. Uh, So I kept seeing, and then finally I was under contract again on this mobile home park in May. So I continued the due diligence and finally we closed in August. So it take me about a year, I would say, to close on my first mobile home park, but that's natural progression. Even though I knew that 
single family to multi family industry i wanted to make sure i have made enough connections in mobile home park industry as well with the brokers to lender etc property management team and lot of other uh, team which are involved in the process so if someone's looking to get into mobile home parks what is some advice that you would have for like investors who are wanting to jump into mobile home parks some of the advice so i would say definitely don't do this yourself mobile home parks are not single family or even multifamily and even multifamily large multifamily i do not recommend uh, doing it yourself but mobile home parks absolutely because there are lots of zoning uh, requirements there are mobile home park of course uh, we all have the stigma because it took me a while to even get into that oh i'm going to buy a trailer park so that and the stigma is uh, sometimes it's right because you are going to depending on the location you are going to attract the kind of tenant pool you would need someone uh, you would have to work with someone who has done this before right so find a mentor find a partner to work with uh, before you start this journey mobile home park has its own zoning requirements as well uh, sometimes the city is when it the title is transferred the city will not transfer the zoning so there are, and you don't want to be in that situation that you have acquired something and now you can't operate so some of the advice is it's find a partner or mentor perform thorough due diligence on the market and the area right because in any real estate location is the king so make sure you know the market and the location very well oh thank you for sharing alpesh and so you know now you're focusing on on the mobile home parks and then you're just bought your first senior housing project and so what is next for you and your company well i will continue to only f- focus on mobile home parks and senior housing and there are reasons why i picked those two assets one mobile home park because in america we have a serious problem which is affordability and we are going to the, the way the how real estate prices are rising if it continues and the way multifamily operators are selling their properties or or, or their investments that oh we are going to raise the rent every year by 5 10% we are going to kick out lot of the renters as well as homeowners or lot of those people will not be able to afford so mobile home parks are here to stay mobile home park could solve that problem because now you can the way when we underwrite it we look at it what is the three bedroom rent in that particular area and we divide by 2 for my mobile home park so if someone tells me this is 1000 bucks uh, in three for three bedroom apartment i'll say okay the max rent we can get for a three bedroom mobile home park would be 500 so as you can tell that's affordability that's what we are looking for right because the three bedroom apartment and the three bedroom mobile home park there is a huge difference and so that's why the affordability problem i'm going to continue to focus on mobile home parks because not only that i want to invest but i want to do social investing i want to make sure that i'm able to help out those tenants improve the improve the communities a lot of time this mobile home parks have been operated by same mom and pop owner for 20 30 even i met someone whose family has been operating for like 60 years right so that means they don't take care of the property they mostly mostly manage it themselves and they are in pretty bad condition 
if I can go in uh, with my investors and improve the condition of the property, get uh, provide nice amenities to those people, and then raise the rent, then of course they will see the value of staying in that community and the tenants will take care of that community. So that's one thing actually, you know, I'm planning to acquire a couple of mobile home parks this year. That's the goal. And the senior housing, I wish this would be my first of many because that's the industry I have been working on for last four years. It's just that the numbers did not work in California. Then I started looking outside again in senior housing too. So this one we are going to build from scratch. It's a new construction. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And senior housing is again, it is solving another problem. By 2023, uh, senior population would be the largest population base in America. So we do need housing for those seniors. They are going to beat millennials in the population base and they will continue to grow at least till 2040. So I'm basically looking at these two assets and I'm trying to solve a couple of problems by owning those assets. Thank you for sharing, Alpesh. And so I want to ask also, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Oh, real estate, absolutely. I, it's been amazing. It took me a while to get started because I had setback. As I said, I lost money in my first investment, but I'm able to spend a lot more time with my kids and my family. That was going to be the most important thing. Second impact it had made is that when I'm investing, I'm always, uh, and I'm taking a quote from someone's book as well. I want to look at it myself as an empathy capitalist. So I, whenever I'm investing, I'm also looking at, am I, am I making any social impact with my investing? So it's very important. Whenever I'm acquiring, I'm trying to make that property nicer and better for the tenants and the community overall. Uh, just as an example, um, I am very pleased, even though I'm not getting any distribution from my coffee farm investment in Panama, but I personally went there and saw how the operators are taking care of the families, the farmers. They are putting 25% of all the profit going back to the community. They are putting new schools. They are providing housing, etc. So the investment I'm making in real estate is, of course, affecting, uh, my, impacting my personal life as well as I, I want to impact you know, the lives of the tenants or people I work with. Same way as investors too, they want steady cash flow. They want passive income. And so I'm impacting their lives as well. I know that's great that you're able, especially, you know, you're able to see the impact that you're having on the people around you. And like you said, not only the investors, but the community itself. Yep. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? (laughs) Uh, The one thing I would say is, as I mentioned already a couple of times, Location, location, location. Focus on location. Don't worry about numbers. Don't worry about the deal size. First, you know, you got to make sure the location is the right. Even sometimes if you cross one street over, that could be a bad location, bad neighborhood, right? So uh, focus on that. And I wish I would have known that. (laughs) Great advice. Thank you. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? One thing that is a good question. Think for me personally, integrity. And the way I think is that if you have integrity, if you are honest, then you would, of course, survive. 
you know, all the downturns, all of the other issues. So I think having that integrity and honesty is, is very important. Absolutely. And do you have any tools or techniques that you use to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life that you can share? Sure. So I highly recommend everyone to use LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. That is how I connect with uh, brokers, lenders, investors. So personally uh, use LinkedIn a lot. On the business side, whenever I'm looking for mobile home parks, everyone should look at this free website, bestplaces.net, bestplaces.net. And I can pretty much do a back of the napkin analysis right away. What I mentioned earlier about having the rent. Uh, so I can see what is the three bedroom and two bedroom rent in that area. I can see what's the migration pattern, what is the population in that city as well as the entire metro. So all of that in literally less than five minutes. Great tool. Thank you for sharing that, Alpesh. And thank you for sharing your, your story and like what you've experienced in real estate going through single family to smaller multis to larger multifamilies to now mobile home parks and senior housing. So you have a whole bunch of experience and knowledge in all these different sectors. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you do, Alpesh, where can they go? So uh, they can uh, go to my website, wealthmatters.com. Let me spell it out. It's W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S.com. Or they can also check out my YouTube channel or podcast. It's called Wealth Matters Podcast. And feel free to reach out to me. I would love to help anyone who reaches out to me. I love talking about real estate. And if you subscribe to my newsletter from my website, you can get free soft copy of my Amazon number one best-selling book, uh, Resilience, Turn Your Setback into a Comeback. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alpesh. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Eileen. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.